If you've seen Roast Battle on Comedy Central and thought those comedians were too mean or took a joke too far, you ain't heard nothing yet. Join Brian Moses and DJ Coach T for Roast Battle, the podcast, as they bring you weekly shows and interviews from the world-famous comedy store in Hollywood, California. Listen to Roast Battle for the most divisive jokes and healing interviews every Thursday in your podcast feed. Subscribe now and leave a joke of your own when you rate and review. Hey, PYHT listeners, Rhea and I will both be appearing this Saturday, 9.30 p.m. in Washington, D.C. at the Lincoln Theater as a part of the Benson Ball Comedy Festival. Head over to my website, CameronEsposito.com, or Rhea's website, RhiaButcher.com, for tickets. That's this Saturday, October 27th, in D.C. at the Lincoln Theater. See you there. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. playing how's it going <laughs> great yes go dodgers yeah. i was backstage rolling up my sleeves as ryan was introing me and i was like can i do it and then i did so i've already accomplished my dreams we've gotten everything done look at that it looks terrible <laughs> whatever men's shirts um anyway uh give it up for ryan for his lovely intro i love it every week it surprises me and bewilders me get to feel like a WWE fighter. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch of amazing comics on the show. We actually have like a very packed lineup tonight, and I'm really excited about that. So why don't you give them a round of applause, because they can hear you. It's going to be a great show. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Great. What? Okay. <laughs> Darth Vader has entered the building. All right. It's a toilet. All right. Congrats on your urinary tract functioning and or bowel movements. Uh, Either way. (laughs) Off to a tremendous start. Uh, Thanks for coming to this show instead of watching the World Series. Pretty great for me, given that I've based 95% of my career on talking about baseball. (laughs) And I'm here! Whatever. I have this habit of booking shit in October and then just thinking it'll work out or it won't work out and then uh, my team ends up in the World Series and then I'm like "Ah!" (laughs) I have to like go to work instead of watch this one thing that I care about kind of a lot like like a lot like probably too much maybe I shouldn't care about it so much Um, but I have actually I didn't think the Dodgers were going to make it which was a really fun experience because I like didn't live or die by it this year which was nice Uh, and also like I don't know. Uh, the world is pretty intense, so carrying... Um, wow, do you have light-up shoes? Uh, no, it's cool. I just Now that I know what it is, I can be like, it's the shoes, it's the shoes. It's not somebody being like, ooh, I'm going to flash my phone for no reason. Um, or just somebody with a flashlight like, hey. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't even know what I was saying. It was stupid. Uh, they made it too serious. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, shoes. Thank you, shoes. Uh, I like that those are adult light-up shoes. What a revolution that was when those things came out for kids. I think I was, like, already an adult when that happened. <laughs> I'm like, 
I don't feel like I'm old, mostly because when I go into most establishments, people are like, where are your parents? Um, <laughs> you shouldn't be out alone. It's very late. <laughs> so I don't feel old, but then every once in a while, I do feel old. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Anybody else having that experience? I can't point to anything specifically. It would be helpful as a comedian if you had like specific things to say about that, but I'm really just into the concepts right now. <laughs> just trying to live my life. I, I don't know. I, I was driving here on Franklin. Everyone's familiar with that street. It's the one that you were just viewing moments ago, waiting to get on the show. Um, and if you go that way, which is east, it goes down to two lanes, so one lane in each direction. So it's like a highly residential thoroughfare, if you will. And there's a series of stoplights, and one of them is a normal stoplight compared to the rest of the country, because all the stoplights in this city, they go like red-green, and it's like the most intense shit, because in other cities, it goes red-green. It, it does like a delay, because it knows people are going to blow the light or whatever, and it's for safety, but in L.A., they're like, fuck everybody. <laughs> we need population control. And they don't do that. But there is a light on Franklin that does that. And so I was like sitting at the light. I see it change. I shift my car into first gear because I'm a badass and I drive manual transmission. Um, And then out of the corner of my eye, it doesn't change. It's still red. And then this car just goes around me and then just goes through the red light. And my, I mean, nobody was going through the intersection, thankfully, but they, they, they casually blazed through it. You know what I mean? Like it was somewhere in between like a eat doing it. And then also just like a fuck yeah, kind of a thing. And like a while ago, I would have been like, like honked my horn and been so angry. But, um, as I've said too many times on this show, I've like made a whole change in my life where I like meditate and I'm deliberate in my reactions to everything. Although I did have a bad response to something over the weekend that maybe I'll get into, or maybe I won't. But, uh, to this thing, I just went, (laughs) and that's just kind of like my life. Like that's just what my life is right now. Just like everything that happens with the exception of the thing that happened over the weekend. (laughs) Cause somebody really pushed my buttons. (laughs) They really came in at me with my old energy. And I was like, fuck it. Old Rhea's back. Fuck you. And I just couldn't. It was just two alcoholics yelling at each other. You know what I mean? Two, two alcoholics in recovery just going, fuck it, it doesn't work! <laughs> I want a beer! I do too! I know! <laughs> that's not what we were saying, but that's totally what we were saying. I'm mad at my dad! Me too! <laughs> oh, it sucked so bad. Anyway, but that's what, with the exception of that thing that I just described... <laughs> That's what all my, like, literally every, like, look, I know that it sounds like a very privileged thing to be like, I'm not doing the news anymore, but I honestly think that there is an amount that we can't do it anymore because (laughs) they are doing it to us. Like, this is not, like, a lot of this is, is, it's money and pain. It's those two, it's either one of those things or both of those things, but it always causes both. No matter what if, if their motivation is money, simply, it still causes pain, right? And, like, if their motivation is pain, they get money for it. So they get both of those things no matter what. And if we can work to minimize the pain that we experience on a daily basis, and I'm not saying don't feel pain for things that are actually painful to you. Like, for example, if you are a 
person of color and people are saying awful shit on the internet and using your ethnicity as like some pejorative thing. I'm not saying like, don't feel pain about that because it's not my place to say that. But I can't be specific enough about everything that I mean. But what I say is like all this shit on the internet and all this shit in the news is just a wash of pain all the time. And we're so mad and so angry that we're just mad and angry at each other all the time. And it's getting into our lives and our relationships and affecting everything and they're winning at it and when we do that they win and the best thing that we can do is try to love ourselves and each other as much as we can so that we can save our anger and our sadness for the things that are very real that like i mentioned before like the things that are affecting us and our friends and our family and like i just that's why when there are things that i'm like i don't know i could go either way my reaction is just <laughs> Because I, I, I am, I feel personally affected by seeing this headline that they're erasing trans identity and they're erasing these protections. But the reality is, and this applies to any of the other issues that the same shit has happened with, that like immigrant rights, indigenous rights, uh, you know, affirmative action, all of these things, they're all not the same, but the, they're doing the same thing to it, which is, hey, we're going to take this shit away now because you don't matter. But the thing is, we already fucking mattered before it existed. We mattered. There were people that cared about us a hundred years ago. And there are always going to be people that care about us. And as long as you exist, you exist. And if you feel only pain about it, then you don't exist. And we cannot stop them from doing this shit on paper. But we're not paper. We're actually fucking people and so we have to save something to continue existing and so that's why i encourage you when there are things that aren't deep that aren't actually physically hurting you to try to just go yeah. and like love other people and save your energy for when you're in your job or whatever and someone says some bullshit joke or some bullshit statement and then you have kindness towards that person in in the way that you're not like kind and like haha that's okay you actually say like hey man that's not cool and call people on their bullshit if you're white call white people on their fucking white bullshit don't go out like waving some flag about all the shit that you know that shit doesn't matter what matters is going that's not cool dude and calling another person off when you two are the only people that see it happen and you can't do that if you're out like just like performing outrage or only experiencing it so that is what i've learned in not caring about the fact that i can't watch the world series right now <laughs> this is not a joke but whatever what's the point of comedy anymore i don't know <laughs> I mean, the point of comedy apparently is, do we redeem Louis C.K.? That seems to be the conversation. Like, the dude is going to do what the dude is going to do. And Jackie, or uh, Lori Kilmartin said, the, I think the best thing, which is, let me fucking follow him. <laughs> and like, I've thought about that the whole time. Like, yeah, go on stage, do whatever you want to do, but fucking follow that guy. Because you know what? Now we can't. I couldn't follow that dude five years ago. I can follow that dude now. <laughs> with, not even with jokes. I don't even care. I mean, I, I would follow that 
dude at the cellar for the five women in the audience that are like, this makes me uncomfortable. And I'd be like, I see you! Thanks! (laughs) That was bullshit, right? And they would stand up and applaud me, and then I would just walk out. Never go back to New York again. Uh, Disgusting city. What was the point of that place? It's hard here, okay? (laughs) It's fucking tough everywhere, dude. All right. Cool hat. Whatever. (laughs) Um, I also think that uh, instead of, like, if we have to have a binary because human beings seem to function, you know, intellectually and emotionally on some binary, and in, in all reality, there is a binary of, like, love and pain, so it makes sense that we would do that. A sun and a moon, all that stuff, like two sides to every coin, but um, if we have to have a gender binary, I propose that instead of male-female, it becomes quiet and loud. (laughs) Because in all reality, those are the two kinds of people. And guess what? It's very fluid. One day, you're quiet, and then the next day, you're loud. Also, you might be quiet to yourself, but that person is like, that fucker is so fucking loud. Every situation, quiet people, loud people, everywhere. Everywhere you go from now on, you're going to be like, God damn it, that weirdo was right. (laughs) Also, weirdos, not weirdos. (laughs) I think I'm supposed to stop soon, but I was just in Minneapolis, or was I in St. Paul? What a weird place. They're both like, I don't know. And they're like, where are you? I'm like, I don't know. You live here. I have no idea where I was staying in a hotel. Like, every sign said St. Paul, and then the hotel was like, welcome to Minneapolis. I was like, where the fuck am I? Also, I do love that it's the Twin Cities because St. Paul, obviously, I can't find it on a... It's so small. It's like one strip of houses or something. So it's very accurate to twins. (laughs) because it was always strange to me that people couldn't identify different twins because I was always like, come on, there's the one that got all the nutrients and then the other one. (laughs) Because I happened to go to elementary school with a couple sets of twins and said that out loud as a child (laughs) and then learned that you should never comment on the fact that your friend perhaps did not get a ton of nutrients in the womb. It's maybe not a thing you should say out loud. Cool. Well, that was a great way to end this, I think. I mean, I wish I had a one-liner, but I don't. Um, I mean, I have a very old one, which is, do you guys know that uh, grapes can kill dogs? Great. Cool. I'm just out here raising awareness. (laughs) It's just pure joy. That's all that it is. It's just happiness that you're feeling, that you're like, oh, that was a pun. Why are people so judgmental of puns? There's a reason they exist. We like them. Why do we get mad at ourselves for liking things? We shouldn't. Enjoy it. Because I'm just out here raising awareness. Are you guys ready for the rest of the comics on the show? Cool. I love this lineup. It's going to be fantastic. This first comic, one of my friends. I'm so glad she's on the show. You're going to love her so much. Give it up for Aaron Dude Lennox, everybody! Oh, my goodness. 
goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Rhea doesn't even know this, but I was at Home Depot hours ago. <laughs> Literally just left. I went. I didn't need anything. I went in and I got floor samples because they're free. I walked in. I grabbed them and I left. And nobody stops you. I mean, those are free, but like, what else could I get away with? <laughs> I'm going to try it out. Um, I know what you're thinking. Another pregnant prostitute. <sighs> Another statistic. Uh, but she'd be wrong because I actually didn't start hooking until I got pregnant. So that's on you. Um, isn't it funny how maternity clothes are just like practice for baby clothes? Like, what is that? It looks like I have poop in my pants. So stupid. Um, I've been upset to discover that I'm at, like, personally at the age where nobody thinks I should get an abortion anymore. <laughs> I'm, like, past that point. All my friends were just like, oh, congratulations. And I was like, no one's going to offer to take me to the clinic. You guys are being fucking bitches. <laughs> my life is still a mess. I can still use an abortion while well, we still can. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> I did get pregnant on purpose. Um is what I will tell the child. <sighs> I was trying that for like two years. Two years! Trying to get pregnant is a really fun way to tell all your friends and family that you are just full of cum. <laughs> tip top at all times. Hi, Mom. Yes, I am full of cum. Yes, please let Dad know. Um, they're so proud. Two years, it's harder to get pregnant than they lead you to believe in health. I'm just here to say you guys don't eat condoms. I want everybody to know that. I could have been raw dogging through all of my 20s. I'm furious. No, I was raw dogging through all my 20s. I just took so much plan B and I can't get that money back. I've tried. They won't, they don't let you. Um, so much plan B. I used to sprinkle it on my cornflakes. Every morning. Here's something that happens when you get pregnant. You have a lot of like crazy sex dreams and it is worth it. It's the only thing that's good about it. Uh, crazy sex dreams and you're the star. So that's fun. That's new. That's different than porn, right? Um, it's uh, starring you and my friend who is kind of dumb, but she was like, those sex dreams are actually like your body expelling your former lovers because now you're going to be with this man for the rest of your life, which is like debatable. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Um, but that makes sense to me because all my dreams have been about strangers, which is my exes, uh, if we're being real. I, I couldn't give you a first name of someone that I fucked in my 20s. Um, not one. I can't even, I, like one, one time one of my friends was like, how many, like what's your number? How many people have you had sex? And I was like, oh, I can't. She's like, oh, you don't want to talk about it? I was like, no, I literally, like I can't even ballpark it. Like I, I can't get within 100. <laughs> how many nights are there in your 20s? It's somewhere in there, 3,650. Is that it? Good at math. Okay, two brains, not better than one. All right, so that's something that you should know. Um, so I found out that uh, it's a boy. This is a boy. Uh, cool. No applause. You're correct. <laughs> you guys are right. Um, 
It's devastating. I cried about it. I did cry. That's not something you want to do uh, in a doctor's office when they're like, you have a healthy baby boy. <laughs> um, but I have a micro penis inside of me. Like, it's not the first time. It will not be the last. But every time it happens, you got to ask yourself, why? How? How did I get here? Where did I go wrong? Um, my husband and I are both just devastated about bringing another white man into this world. <sighs> I mean, he thinks it's white. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> uh, he has, my husband has a child already, um, which I am fine with. You can tell by my tone. He's a child already, which makes me a... Very good. That is the level of enthusiasm I was looking for. Who here has a stepmom? That's... Okay. I got a gentle hand raise, which I can barely see, but that is the exact level of enthusiasm that stepmoms get and deserve. Uh, but it's... Cr do you like your stepmom? You do? Like a lot, though? Yeah, she's fine. She's a lot? Yeah, she's fine. That's not the same. That's not the same thing? No, no, no. You already said it. You can't take it back. Uh, that's the level of enthusiasm we get for, you know, our sacrifice. It's crazy. It's like, even like, there's like Disney characters, evil stepmoms, multiple, more than two. They're just teaching children about evil stepmoms. And it's like, what did I do wrong? I'm just a nice lady who loved a lonely man. <laughs> In my experience, the ex-wife's kind of a cunt. Where's her character? like to see that one <sighs> I do love my stepson though he's great he's a great kid my only like actual my only problem with this kid is not his fault at all he's super dope my only problem with him is um his name okay uh this kid's name is danger cool right it's cool it's a cool way to show other grown-ups that you shouldn't have children because you make terrible fucking choices should be responsible for another life. <laughs> Just for a second, I want you guys to imagine that you're at the playground with your stepson um, and it's time to go. Oh, oh, that's fun. What happens now? That's right. You have to shout, danger! Danger! <laughs> to a group of children. None of which are yours. Um... Every other parent looks at you like, what is up with you? What's going on with you? Actually, here in L.A., like five other kids come running. You're like, get out of here, 9-11. Your mom's looking for you. You guys are the best. I'm Aaron Dewey Lennox. Have a great night! I love my Tomboy X underwear. You know this about me, Rhea Butcher, but I stamp my approval on Tomboy X. They're my absolute favorite and the only underwear I've got in my drawer. So it's time for you to stop wearing underwear that doesn't make you feel confident. Underwear that's got more frills than function or some underwear that your mom got to fem you up. It's time to wear underwear that's made to fit you and how you see yourself. Tomboy X. Tomboy X has everything from bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks and boy shorts to soft bras and racerback bras, all in everyday basic colors and fun seasonal prints, and all with options from extra small to 4X. So, regardless of where you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody can feel comfortable in. 
So go to TomboyX.com slash hands together and check out their special bundles and pack pricing. Put your hands together listeners will get an extra 15% off with the code hands together. Again, just use the code hands together for an extra 15% off. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. Go to TomboyX.com slash hands together. Micro penis joke, just mwah. chef's kiss. I never thought I'd chef's kiss a micro penis, but here I am. Mwah. Wait, hang on. There we go. I mean, come on. Erin <laughs> doing Lennox, everybody, let her hear. Great. Right. I'm gonna keep the show going with this next comic. Who, uh, number one, friend of the show, friend of mine, also a fabulous dresser and the host of Yelling About Pate. Give it up for Carl Hess. Oh yes, give it up for Ria, guys. Woo! Now I feel like I should have brought a way better outfit game because I got that introduction. It's perfect. Says the woman with the light-up shoes. That's how I know she's right. You got the best fucking outfit here. Do you have a hat under your chair? Fuck. You're like, in case shit gets crazy later, I have a very shiny hat under here. Can you bust that out real quick just to show everybody? Let me see. I mean, for me. For me. Okay, yeah. It's big, yeah. No, what if I was this guy? What if I was just this as a comedian? Like, there's comedians who dress way too cool, and you're like, dial it down a couple notches, Nick Thune. I don't know about this. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, yeah, we always look super cool. It's because we both share an affinity for J. Crew button downs. Give it up for J. Crew, some of the best button downs in the game. That's really hard to take me seriously like this, isn't it? I'm like the alchemist. Who gets that reference? Okay. This is a hell of a hat. Is your head huge? Is that what's happening? Okay, it's huge. Okay, he knows. He says it's all right. Yeah. Thank you. That's a pretty nice hat. Where do you even get it? Where, do, where does one purchase a hat like that? Oh, well, that makes sense. Uh, they're like, everything is bigger here. You're like, I need a smaller size. They're like, we said everything is bigger. Make it work. Also, these shoes light up. Buy some. Good to be back in L.A. Uh, I've been traveling, doing some comedy. Does everyone here, most people here live in Los Angeles? Okay, well, let me know if this happens to you. Anytime you tell someone you live in L.A. and they don't. Like, I got the same thing in multiple different places. You'd be like, oh, I live in Los Angeles. They'd be like, L.A., huh? You know what I heard? <laughs> Fake people. <laughs> like, they had that in the chamber ready to go. It's like, oh, Los Angeles, you say? You know what I've heard? A lot of fake people out there. And the sad part is, it's like, that's fucking true, you know? <laughs> I've lived in LA for over a decade. There are a lot of fake people. That is an accurate stereotype. I want to refute these people in other cities, but I can't, because it's true. Like, I was just hanging out with this girl the other day. I thought she was real. Turns out, she was just two kids on top of each other in a trench coat. So, yeah, I'll take a one-person applause break for that. You're goddamn right I will. I put on a hat at the beginning and said from a stranger, I have no shame here. And uh, that is my best joke. So it's going to be all downhill from here, folks. Strap it in. Strap it in. Uh, yeah, it is, it's, nice. it's nice being back in LA. I, I, I like living in LA a lot. I made 
a pretty bad call in terms of L.A. living, though, recently. I stopped smoking marijuana. <laughs> well, who's whistling? It was a terrible idea. You? Oh. Rhea's sober, so of course she whistles for that. She's like, someone else. No, I, I, it sucks. Like, I'm, I'm edgy. Like, I smoked weed every day for 10 years, and I was like, this is pretty fucking good. I like it. Uh, then one day when I was high, I was like, I don't even know who I am without smoking weed all the time. I'm going to find out. And I did. And spoiler alert, it's just me, but I'm way more of an asshole. That's all. No big personal revelations. I'm just a fucking dick, and I forgot about it. Uh, also, my OCD from when I was 15 came back. That's pretty fun. I'm just arranging shit on my desk. I'm like, it's a great afternoon. Everything's very straight. Okay, good. We got it. Just, I'm not chill. I'm not chill. I know you're like, Carl, you seem pretty chill. No, I'm not chill at all. Uh, I yelled at my roommates today. There were some crumbs. I was like, do you want ants? Because this is how we get ants. I yelled that. And I fucking meant it. It's true, though. That's how you get ants. I've replaced smoking weed during the day with a much more powerful drug. I am, of course, referring to cold brew coffee. Who's fucking around with this shit? Because it is dangerous. The fact that cocaine is illegal and cold brew is available in every fucking corner in the city, that is no way to organize a society. Like, at least with cocaine, you, like, stay up with your friends, smoking cigarettes, talking about great business ideas that you have. Cold brew, you're just like, can I ask this guy to watch my laptop again? I have to shit for a fifth time right now. I don't know what's going on here. Everyone in the coffee shop is like, this guy is shaking a lot. I don't know what his deal is. Let's keep an eye on Shaky over there. He is worrying everybody. That was a two-person applause break. So we're, we're building. We're slowly building. And I'm, I like that. I like that. Yeah, cold, cold brew is insane. I mean, I'm just, um, I'm getting a lot done. And by a lot, I mean shitting all the time. So I'm very, very productive uh, bowel-wise, doing a lot of good work. I, I needed something to replace weed. Also, uh, I just turned 35. That is the proper response. Strained silence and a single woo. Thank you. Perfect response for 35. Uh, it's not really like a cheering age. You know, it's just, you're just kind of there. It's actually like a fun age. I like it. It's like old enough to know God is dead, young enough to still have neck acne. It's an exciting time. I'm fucking into it. I fucking like it. So I'm doing like, I'm trying to do like more like mid 30 shit, you know? But like the only thing I've figured out for mid 30 shit is just like get hammered on wine a bunch? Is that what we're doing mid 30s? For some reason, as a society, we decided like wine is the mature adult way to get hammered in public. Who made that call? Just like, ah, yes, the drink that turns your mouth purple, the thinking man's beverage. What? My lips are just blue. I'm very sad. I'm like swirling it. I'm like, I'm a fucking adult right now. I am killing at this dinner party. I think that's why people like wine, because you can just, you can just swirl. You can't do that with any other drink. You can just smell it and just make shit up. Just be like, tannins. Everyone's like, this guy fucking knows wine. Just say shit like, it's very peppery. People are like, yeah, you're right. It is peppery. I just make shit up like, yeah, it's a, it's a Rhone blend. The grapes are from the banks of the Rhone River in France. Smaller, more acidic cuts of the soil. 
people are like, how do you know that? You're like, I blacked out. What did I say? I'm not, I don't even know. It's just on your shirt, your glass is empty. You're like, super peppery, very peppery. That's that shaky guy from before. I don't like this guy at all. It's pretty fun. I, I, I like getting drunk on wine. It's good, it's good for like dates. You know, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going on dates, going to wine bars and shit. Uh, I'm recently out of a relationship, so I'm back in the game, and I'm realizing that my main impediment for dating in Los Angeles is my tolerance for crystals is very low. <laughs> I was in a relationship for two years. I'm back in the game. It's like fucking 85% crystals out here. I don't know what happened in the last two years, but it is wall-to-wall crystals out here. Also, every girl is into, like, the occult now. Like, like everyone wants to, like, read my tarot. I'm like, I literally just met you. Uh, I feel like there's a certain type of guy who, like, when they go through a bad breakup, they get into, like, libertarianism <laughs> and, like, men's right shit online. And then there's, like, a certain type of girl when they go through a bad breakup, they're just like, I'm getting bangs and I'm fucking getting into black magic. Let's do this shit. <laughs> I think I've been meeting a lot of those girls recently. <laughs> Just like, uh, kind of a witch. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, I was, the date was going really well recently. I was like, okay, this girl's cool. We go back to my house. We go to my room. Like, hell yeah, things are progressing nicely. And uh, we go into my room and she's like, oh, your room's super clean. And I was like, thank you. Thanks for noticing. And then she was like, no, this is like the cleanest man's bedroom of all time. Are you sure you're not gay? I was like, yes, I fooled you. <laughs> I bought you two drinks at the bar, talked to you for an hour, paid for an Uber back to my house, and brought you out to my bedroom to show you how good at swiffering I am. That's my time. Thank you guys so much. Go to Faria and that beautiful button-down shirt. Carl, my favorite wine tasting note is cat urine. (laughs) Favorite for many reasons. Mm, I'm drinking cat urine. Love it. Anyway, great. I love to bring applause to just a dead stop (laughs) with the thought of cat urine. How did that happen? How was somebody tasting wine and was like, this tastes like cat urine? What do you guys think? (laughs) Wouldn't you just throw it in the trash? If something tasted like cat urine to you, wouldn't you be like, this is bad wine? (laughs) Whatever. Anyway. (laughs) All right. I guess it's only funny to me. Do you want to keep the show going? I sure do. We have so many comics that you want to see. Come on. This is not cat urine, people. This is a comedy show. Please keep it going. Another friend of the show for Melody Bar. Hello. I mean, my God, that was a well-groomed man. We don't often see that on this stage. But, but Carl was right. It's like a, it's a whole thing now. Girls in LA all think that they're witches. Uh, LA is a very strange place to be a woman. By strange, I mean horrific. When I first moved here, I went out to dinner with a friend and I was like, oh, a lot of working girls out tonight. Very prostitute this dining establishment you've brought me to. And my friend said, no, 
No, these are just regular L.A. girls out for sushi on a Tuesday night. (laughs) So that was my first introduction to the women of Los Angeles. And then I met this actress whose side hustle is medical students practice giving gynecological exams on her. Are you familiar (laughs) with the stirrups? I I don't know how one even applies for such a job. I don't know if every pap smear I've been to in LA has actually been an audition. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Speaking of pap smears, I'll tell you about my parents. My dad is Indonesian and my mom is someone with an Asian fetish. My dad's from a tiny village in Sumatra and my mom's from a tiny village in Oklahoma. (laughs) My dad's Muslim, my mom's Baptist. It obviously makes me a huge disappointment to both of them. You know, when you're half Baptist, half Muslim, it's hard to feel anything except shame. You know, shame about your body, shame about your sexuality, shame about being born a girl and not being drowned at birth. You know, shame. Uh, No, my dad, he's actually, he's amazing. He's the absolute best. He's so cute. He's so excited about my career. I was like, Dad, how do you feel having a daughter who's a stand-up comic? And he said, I don't have a daughter. (laughs) So people in the States will always tell me, "Mm, you don't look or sound very Indonesian. And I say, trust me, you know that I'm Indonesian because I am looking for a white guy to pay all my bills, support my entire family, and offer me a better life. (laughs) It's not funny. My parents, their love story, it is so romantic. It almost makes it harder for me to find someone because the bar is so high. Okay, so they're living in Oklahoma, and they're dating, and one day my dad turns to my mom and he says, hey, I'm moving back to Indonesia. Do you want to go with me? And my mom says, I'm not going with you unless we're married. And then my dad says, fine. (laughs) What an absolute fairy tale. I get chills just thinking about it. You know, I don't even want to get engaged. I just want to go straight to City Hall. So I'm wearing all white right now. I'm just ready at a moment's notice. (laughs) I went on a very L.A. date. I will tell you guys how I got there. I went to a Pilates class. (laughs) I don't know if you're familiar with Pilates classes, but there is nary a man in sight and certainly not a heterosexual one. But I went to this one Pilates class and there was a gentleman in the class and then afterwards he was waiting for me outside, which some people might find creepy. (laughs) found it incredibly charming. Side note, sociopaths cannot get enough of me. So he asked me out on a brunch date, which is how I knew he was sober. And we go out on this brunch date. I find out that he is, in fact, sober. We go out on our second date at night. I drink. He watches me. And then on our third date, we go to Pilates together. A Pilates date. And then I never hear from him again. I cannot wait to run into that guy somewhere and I'll say, hey, remember? Remember when we went to Pilates together? We were side by side on the reformer? I did plow in front of you? I think I just stood out in front of anyone? And then I 
That'll show him! <laughs> so, I'm just a hopeless romantic. If there was a cinematic character that I would say that I really identify with, it would be Cameron Diaz's character in Vanilla Sky. Have you guys seen Vanilla Sky? So in Vanilla Sky, Cameron Diaz is in love with Tom Cruise. She's in love with him. And she discovers that he considers her friends with benefits. And they're in a car, and Cameron Diaz confronts Tom Cruise about his feelings. And she says, don't you know that when you sleep with someone, your body makes a promise whether you do or not? (laughs) And then she drives the car off a bridge. So, gentlemen, if you want to get at me, you know, text me. Okay, speaking of text messages, I have to share this text with you. This is a text I received from a man that uh, a friend of mine set me up with, okay? And this man suggested that on our first date, we go to a vegan restaurant that does not serve alcohol. So I texted him and I said, can we please go somewhere that serves wine? I would love a wine glass emoji or a whiskey glass emoji. And this is his response. A man who I've never met who asked me out on a date. Ah, okay. Let's fast forward this. I don't eat animals and I don't drink alcohol. I'm working out right now. I'm a bodybuilder. I'm not looking to hook up. I'm looking to get married and have kids. I want the woman who wants what I want. A life of passion, health, and activism for us and the planet. I'm not up for a meal of, do you have any siblings? Unless I know that the woman is looking for what I want. My time is my most precious commodity. I'm in the middle of getting a series ordered from Crackle. I have a deal on the table at VH1. I'm writing speeches for senatorial candidates, and I'm a chairperson for PETA on the side. Well, why did he bury the lead? Why didn't he come out of the gate telling me he had a deal on the table at Crackle? We could be at City Hall right now! Okay, I'm Melanie Morris. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Melanie, let her hear it. All right, we are going to keep it going. Uh, This next comic is their first time on the show, so you know what we do when it's somebody's first time on the show, right? We give them a huge, warm welcome applause, right? Let's get it going right now. Yes, that's what I want to hear for Josh Sharp, everybody! Hi, what's up? How are you? Are we good? Is everyone good? Oh, my. It's so nice to be here with you in your city. I'm from New York. I'm in town. And I'm good to be here on this stage doing this for all of you. I'm actually getting back into the swing of doing stand-up lately. I I sort of stopped doing it for like six months because I had a polyp on my vocal cords, which meant I couldn't really perform and I had to stop singing and I couldn't be in loud bars. It uh, tore the gay community apart, frankly. (laughs) But for a while I endured it. And now here I am, you know, fixed. Here's the thing. What's a polyp? I'll tell you. So a polyp means that at one point I overextended my vocal cords and then they healed themselves because the body is nothing if not resilient. But in doing so, it created this callus. That's the polyp, right? This fleshy white lump that was on my vocal cords that thus stressed out the rest of my vocal cords. Your vocal cords, they really work hard. When you speak, your vocal cords flap a thousand times a second because the body is nothing if not 
fucking insane. So this thing being there, it aggravates everything else. The analogy I would offer for you is it's akin to the one time I was on a New York City subway train and someone with a MAGA hat got on. This only happened to me once about a year ago that I was on a New York City subway train and someone with a Make America Great a hat came on and all at once, all of us on the train just like tightened up like everybody at once, eyes darting around, locking them with strangers like, what's he doing here? What's going on? Why is he here? He's not supposed to be here. This is wrong and unnatural. So, you know, in the, you know, the point is, he's the polyp in this reference. He's just a big white lump, and he's really just sitting there, but his very presence is just fucking the rest of us up, right? So this is going on in my throat. So at a certain point, I tried to work it out with a therapist, because this is a thing people have worked through. I mean, lots of artists have had these. Adele had a polyp, and she had to cancel a tour. Julie Andrews had one, and they botched a surgery. She's never sang again. I had one, and for six months, couldn't talk about my dick into a microphone for strangers. So the arts community has been afflicted by this disease. So I was seeing this vocal therapist, and for a while, she was teaching me to rely on my mask resonance more, which I will now... What's a mask resonance? Okay, I'll tell you, because you're not theater majors. I know this. If you were, you'd be on Broadway. That's why you get a theater major. You go right to, you just show up to the theater. You say, I'm here for the show. They say, you're not in it. You go, I'm a theater major. They go, we'll find you a part. So anyway, this is what it is, right? Instead of relying on your vocal cords, you can resonate your voice through your nasal cavities. So I'll show you. Do this. Um, (laughs) Is this comedy? Mm. So you're going to do a lip trill, and then you're going to turn it into an M sound like this. Like, mm, do that. Do you feel that buzzing in the front of your face? Yeah, that's your mask resonance. Okay. Listen, I had a, the health insurance to learn this, and I just taught it to you for free, all right? So am I a champion of universal health care? Yeah, I'd say so. I'm the fucking Napster of mask resonance right now. You've paid nothing, and I gave it to you. So I did that for a while, and my voice therapist, lovely woman, she was trying to help me. She was like, when you perform, you know, M sounds, W sounds help reset the voice in the mask. So she was like, what if at the end of your jokes, you said the pot punchline, and then you just went, Wow. And I was like, (laughs) that's mildly homophobic, but at the same time, you get my comedic voice, you know, so, wow. Um, So I was doing that for a spell. It didn't really work out, and this happened like, I found out in March, it was like two months, and then I hemorrhaged again, and so I had to get a steroid and not talk for a week, and then I got a laser procedure to fix it, wherein they put a laser up my nose and down my throat and fried it off. It was brief, but intense. You're like sitting there in a chair, smelling the flesh of your own throat burning, while a doctor smiles at you and goes, it's working. It for sure is a circle of hell, right? So I did that. I couldn't talk for a week. Uh, But the first time didn't quite work, so I had to do it again, and then I couldn't talk for a week. So it meant that at the end of the summer, I'd spent like three weeks not talking at all. And you can tell, she's chatty. So my friends (laughs) were like, (laughs) how was that? You know, like spending so much time not talking. Did you learn anything? And in fact, I did. I think there was a very zen lesson that this period of silence and introspection taught me. Because only by having to sit there and really only be able to listen did I finally realize that you all have nothing to fucking say. All of you have nothing to say. Nothing. I sat there listening to people drone on, like, what, what is going on? Wanting to murder dear friends, people whose weddings I've been to. Because I was like, you've spent six minutes telling me lunch was okay. That is your thesis. You know what I mean? Your vocal cords are flapping a thousand times a second to describe a potato you ate. You know what I mean? First thing when I saw my doctor, when I found out I had a polyp, he said, you got to treat your voice like a debit card right now. You only have so much you can use each day. Let me tell you this. A lot of you tricks are running your voices on credit, okay? But um, it was fine. Still had some fun. You can have fun quiet, as it turns out. Fully went to On the Run 2 and didn't talk. 
you know, you can have fun. Do you guys see that? Beyonce and her husband? Lovely show. You got have any of you seen Beyonce in any of the iterations of Beyonce tours? No? Oh, only not enough. Okay, we'll finish with this. You gotta see Beyonce. Alright? She it's it's She's our Michael Jackson. You know who I haven't seen live? I still have my youth. But I have seen this old live in a Bucharest special. It's this old HBO special. Um, it's, uh, so there's, it's in live in Bucharest. There's 100,000 Romanians in a field, because Bucharest is in Romany. And they're there. It's 1989. The Berlin Wall fell three days before, and they're wearing the crispest blue jeans you've ever seen. The, the blue jeans just got to the Eastern Bloc. And they all put them on and da, 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 down to the Michael Jackson show, right? So this sea of white Romanians is there, and Michael bursts out of the floor, bam, like this, and his first move is that he goes, uh, like this. From His head just moves, uh, like it's an acute angle, to be sure. That's all it is. And then they scream. And three minutes of screaming, and they show you the whole thing, because it's before the home box office could edit, I'm pretty sure. So they show you it all. And then he does his next move, which is to just take his glasses off like this and back again. Just, again, an acute angle. Two more minutes of screaming. A woman faints, and they pass her to the front and put her in a wheelbarrow and take her out. She has seen nothing, right? <laughs> And this is really the experience of seeing Beyonce, where it's like she comes out and she hits her mark, like, bah, 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 and then for 12 minutes, an arena of queers and people of color just cheer in communion and fellowship as one. And she holds. She's like, get it out of your system. I got a show to do. She, she, she's like that third grade teacher that's like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Who's like, are we finished? You know what I mean? She just waits. The best one, though, was <laughs> the, formation, the formation tour was better than on the run. We, you know. She didn't have the baggage. And so, and this is what it was. This is the, I'll leave you with this. I remember seeing it on that one. She had a stage where the, there was a track that went all the way into the middle of the football field. And she would come out with her dancers. And at the end, they could fill up this little tea, tea platform with like a little bit of water. And she could do like, you know, splashyography in it and stuff. It was very cool. So she had, a, it was the end of the tour. It was New York City. She had a bunch of guests. And at one point, Kendrick Lamar comes out and he wraps his whole verse to freedom, like all the way down. And then he lands with the rest of his dancers and he starts doing all the moves with them. And I went to see Beyonce with a row of just like 12 of my, my coven, you know, my dearest gays. And I watched all of them like at once get Kendrick Lamar. Like, you know, this is, I mean, he's put out three of the best hip-hop albums of a generation. The man won a Pulitzer for rapping, but it wasn't until he could ball-step turn in three inches of water that they were like, okay, Kendrick, respect. You went to a rehearsal. Work. All right, that's enough for me. Have a nice night. Thank you. Bye. I also fully agree with his assessment of formation. It was the superior tour, even though I didn't even go to On the Run. Who gives a shit? I went to the other one, superior. There was a woman in front of me who was dressed matching the seats. You can't beat that. You just can't. Great. We have three more comics left on the show. How do you feel about it? I feel pretty great. The next comic is not only a friend of the show, she's a drop-in tonight. Look at this. You guys, please give a warm welcome to Danielle Perez! Let her hear it! BarkBox is the dog-crazy, dog-obsessed company that creates a monthly gift for you and your dog. 
Every month, BarkBox sends the best all-natural treats, chews, and innovative toys to match your dog's unique needs. Let BarkBox know your dog's size and then choose from one, six, or 12-month plans. BarkBox sends the best assortment of dog products at the very best value. Each box contains over $40 worth of toys and treats with subscriptions starting at just $20. And shipping is free to anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. Because no two dogs are alike, you can work with their A-plus customer service team to create a box that meets your dog's specific needs. Likewise, if your dog doesn't like something in the box, the team will replace it with something they will love for free. Don't have a dog of your own? BarkBox makes the perfect gift for those friends and their dogs who are hard to shop for. BarkBox sent me a box of stuff that Murph absolutely loved, so I guarantee that your dog is going to love BarkBox. So, for a free extra month of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash PYA HT when you subscribe to a six or twelve month plan. That's barkbox.com slash PYHT. Keep it going for Danielle. So great, so wonderful. We got two final comics on the show. How are you feeling? I'm so glad this next comic is here. We basically started at the same time. We're two gay baby comics. Give it up for Joel Kim Booster, everybody! Joel Kim Booster, everybody! Let him hear it! All right, we have one final comic on the show. Are you ready? Yes! Oh, my goodness. Are you ready, I said. Yes! That's what I thought. Guess what? This next comic is another friend of the show. Look, we all are friends here. And he's one of my favorites. Please give a warm welcome to Chris Thayer, everybody! Hey, everybody. How's it going? Nice. Um, you too, also. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, I'm visiting from Arizona. Um, I recently moved to Arizona from Los Angeles, and I moved because I didn't like the way that I felt here in Los Angeles. And then I got to Arizona... <laughs> And I felt the same way. <laughs> and then I was like, oh shit. <laughs> it was me all along. <laughs> That's been refreshing. Um, I've moved a lot thinking that it would you know, fix something in my life. And I'm starting to finally realize, you know, changing external factors to try to fix the way you feel inside is a lot like being in a horror movie, you know? <laughs> the phone rings and you're like, <gasps> The call's coming from inside the house. But then I go, what if we move the house? Yeah, that'll show up. Okay. Um, it's nice being back here. Most of my friends live out here, and it's nice to catch up. I like to run through uh, self-care routines with people. I'm always like, what you know, I want to know what, what people are up to. They're on the cutting edge here living in L.A., so my friends will go first, you know, and they're like, oh, what am I up to? You know, like... I don't eat corn or whatever, you know. I was, like, oh, I was, I was eating so much corn; it was a problem, you know. And um, now, whenever I crave corn, I just have a yam, you know, with like CBD lotion on it or whatever. Um, like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know. And then it's my turn, and now because I live in Arizona, I like to throw in a little Easter egg and see if they catch it, you know. So they go, "What are you up to?" I'm like, "Oh well, I'm taking you know supplements and I." I'm trying to get more sunshine and exercise and connect with people socially more often. And I go to therapy, you know, 10, 20 times a week because I'm so fucked up. And then um, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, and I bought a gun, you know? Like, 
see, see what they say. You know, no, no bullets. You know, I just like to hold it. You know, I like to point it at the news. It makes me feel like I have options. It's very healing. Um, I don't drink. I used to drink, but I had to quit because I was too good at it. Okay, come on, come on, you guys, don't make me do all the work. Uh, and uh, now whenever I'm going to go on a date with someone, I try to let them know in advance that I don't drink, and it seems to just boggle people's minds, you know? They think I can't go where normal people hang out. They're always like, uh, do you want to go to Kids R Us? Or some kind of a hat store or something? You know? Civil War auction? Okay. Uh, more often than not, though, I usually wind up going on like a daytime coffee date, which I don't know if you guys know is actually the opposite of a good time. Uh, so. It's weird because it's so counter to the experience of like having a drink and loosening up with someone, you know? Instead, you're just like hyper sober, you know, just jacked up on caffeine, like. Ah, oh, what was your sister's major? <laughs> yeah. so. uh, sometimes when I tell people that I don't drink, I feel like some people take it as a judgment on the fact that they do drink, which it's not at all, you know? It's just something I choose not to do. But sometimes to put people at ease, I'll say, hey, you know, if it makes you feel any better, I'm not happy. <laughs> And that seems to make them feel much better, you know? They're like, oh, as long as you haven't found the secret, I'm going to keep trying my way. <laughs> I uh, always like to read articles that promise me, like, mind-blowing sex tips, you know? They always have some ridiculous title that's like, 29 things you can do to make your man's balls disappear. <laughs> I'm like, go on. <laughs> I ain't even got a man, but I'm curious. You know? Where do they go? Um, or else the article's like very clearly written by some clueless bro dude, and it's like, 16 ways to make your lady's clit erupt! Like, Pretty sure that's not what it does. Uh, I think that's actually a bad thing. Um, to their credit, though, there is always, like, one valuable tip, but it's always hidden at the bottom of the article in a smaller font on the last page. Like, they don't want you to find it, you know? They're like, hey, hey, come on. Um, but seriously, like, all people are different, so just communicate open with your partner and see what they're into. <laughs> <laughs> just a little less exciting of a headline, I guess. Like, fellas, are you ready to fucking communicate? <laughs> I've been thinking about giving polyamory a try lately, you know, like having multiple relationships at once, um, which is weird because I'm single in the first place. Um, so there's a lot of mental gymnastics to get there as a single person, you know? I have to be like, well, all my past relationships have ended in failure, but maybe there just weren't enough people involved. <laughs> I'm not the problem. <laughs> I, um... I'm 31, and I was very promiscuous when I was a teenager, and also in my 20s, and earlier in my 30s. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, do the math. And um, and uh, when I was growing up, my dad was like a real macho man, you know, like a real guy's guy, you know, like a real piece of shit. You know? <laughs> and and uh, I think on some level, all the years that I was hooking up with all these people, subconsciously there was this thought like, oh, maybe this will make my dad think I'm a real man, you know. And then at one point I told my dad how many people I hooked up with and I guess I overshot it because he went, Jesus, be careful. <laughs> and it's like, a thank you would be nice, you know what I mean? I did this for you, so. so. That's a sad joke. Um, I, uh, I used to go on a lot of road trips with my family. This was back in the 90s. I don't know if there were like exponentially less gas stations and rest areas or what, but I remember very clearly that any time my mom needed to use the restroom, it was like an immediate emergency. You know? It was never like, hey, next stop, thanks. It was always like, pull over. <laughs> no. My dad would get freaked out. He'd slam on the brakes, you know? Our car's on the shoulder of the highway, shaking. Everyone's crying. <laughs> And then my mom would just throw open the passenger door, fall out onto the freeway, and then uh, not even have the ability to like hold it and walk 15 feet away to find privacy over a hill or behind a bush or something. Instead, she would just rip open the rear passenger door, exposing my infant brother to the elements, and then squat down between the two doors like a stall, you know? So she's creating privacy from someone, I guess. <laughs> but at the expense of her whole family, you know? I guess in her head she's like, ooh, God forbid some guy driving by at 85 miles an hour see an unidentifiable woman's ass for a quarter of a second. Just to be safe, let me go ahead and traumatize everyone I live with. And then to make it so much worse, she would always look back directly at me. I have siblings, like I mentioned before. She would skip them, find me, lock eyes, and go, and don't look. It's like, don't fucking flatter yourself, lady. <laughs> You're not my type, all right? I'm a cousin man. Through it. <laughs> All right, I'm Chris Thayer. Thank you very much. Have a nice night. Chris Thayer, everybody, let him hear it. Yes, that's our show. Thank you so much for coming out. I've been Rhea Butcher. I'll see you next week. Bye bye. Put your hands together. 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 Put your hands together, put your hands together, put your hands together, put your hands together, get ready to laugh with your hands together, put your hands together, get ready to clap with your hands together, put your hands together. Hey, 
Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Ah, uh, yes. I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.